Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says he regrets traveling on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Traveling on September 30th was a mistake, and I regret it. The first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation was a time for Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people alike to reflect and connect, think about the past, but also focus on the future. I want to thank uh, Chief Casimir of the Kamloops uh, for the conversation we had over the weekend in which I apologized for not being there uh, with her and her community. How will the government implement its new vaccination mandate for public servants and Canadian travellers? The evidence from elsewhere is that this actually works. You know, if you can't really do anything, you can't go anywhere, you can't work then even the most stubborn uh, vaccine-hesitant people decide to get vaccinated. And Christia Freeland offers a stark assessment of the treatment of women and sexual assault cases in the Canadian military. It seems as if the leadership just doesn't get it. And I think that's true. Uh, I think the reality is there is a systemic problem with the treatment of women the treatment of sexual harassment in the Canadian Armed Forces. It's Thursday, October 7th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. Justin Trudeau has said he regrets uh, the fact that he went to Tofino in British Columbia uh, on the day of, of National Truth and Reconciliation and that it was a mistake. Uh, do you think that acknowledgement puts an end to that story? Well, I think it may put an end to this particular story, but I don't think it puts an end to the impression of, and that um, Justin Trudeau's judgment is questionable and that he keeps making these mistakes, and he doesn't seem to learn from these mistakes. You know, I had a look back yesterday at over a decade of uh, miscues by by the Prime Minister. They generally end with this sort of, to me, half-hearted contrition. You know, from, from the island visit, where the Ethics Commissioner found him in breach of conflict of interest, uh, to uh, his $20,000 speaking engagement with a with a charity when he was a, a rookie MP. I mean, he earned somewhere around 450000 in, in, in 2011 as a sideline. He was forced to apologize for elbowing Ruth Ellen Brosseau on the floor of the House of Commons. There's the, the wee charity scandal where he apologized for not recusing himself. There's the SNC Lavalin case where where he accepted the Ethics Commissioner's findings that, uh, that he improperly pressured Judy Wilson-Raybould, but stopped short of apologising. Now, in all these cases, you know, that, and that doesn't even get into India, blackface, you know, calling Fidel Castro a larger-than-life leader, a legendary revolutionary and orator. You know, and on none of these occasions did it seem to me that it was particularly heartfelt because I think he believes in his own heart that his cause is righteous and he should therefore be, if not forgiven, then he should get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to lapses in his own behaviour and his own judgment. I mean, to me, there's no other explanation for how there can be so many recurring occasions when you make decisions that are clearly 
I mean, almost inexplicable. How could somebody who who uh, established the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation then not take any part of it on the day beyond, he claims, calling some participants in it? And that he said that justified the label private meetings on the on the advisory put out by the by the PMO. You know, to me, none of that adds up. It, it, he's always a miscue away from looking out of touch. Nothing screams out of touch as loudly as this juxtaposition of the the powwow in Kamloops and the and the opposite beach holiday in, in Tofino. You know, so to me, while this particular memory may fade, prime ministers only get a certain amount of political capital, and I think this prime minister has expended his political capital, and I don't see any way that he can run in the next election. And I've talked to liberals about this as well who agree that they cannot go into the next election with this guy as their leader. He's seen his vote fall in successive elections. He squeaked out an election uh, election win this time against a leader who was virtually unknown. And I think that that was on the back of the liberal brand and on the back of the childcare policy and on the back of some mistakes by the Conservative leader flip-flopping on guns. You know, there were were other things that they, they didn't seem to have a second act when it came to the second half of the campaign. But it's events like this that have tarnished Justin Trudeau's public image. And so therefore, it's not an unimportant thing. To me, it's, it's uh, you know, we saw in 2015, Stephen Harper had people who were just fed up of him and wanted him gone. And then they looked at the other alternatives. And I cannot imagine that if they went, if the Liberals went to an election, uh, whenever it might be, two years' time or whenever, with Justin Trudeau at the helm, that people wouldn't just say, Justin Trudeau needs to be gone. What are the other alternatives? Yeah. All right. Let's turn to the subject of Justin Trudeau's appearance yesterday, which, uh, which was where he was answering the questions about what happened on uh, last week, um, a week ago today, in fact. Um, and that is mandatory vaccines for public servants and, and for people traveling on trains and planes in Canada. Um, there are still a lot of questions about whether, whether this can be effectively implemented, especially with regard to public servants. What are your thoughts on that? Well, from what I understand from the press conference yesterday, it's an, uh, an attestation rather than, a, than an actual passport uh, or a display of the vaccines. You know, they're not, they're not going to be checked. So <clears throat> how effective they may be is, uh, is questionable, I guess. The only thing I would say is, and, and, I'm, and I've, I'm kind of conflicted in this because I don't like the idea of people being compelled to do something. You know, I still believe in, in individual freedoms, and I do think that um, the illiberal progressive left is, uh, is as dangerous to individual freedoms as the populist right. And we're kind of losing sight of the fact that, uh, that um, you know, people in this country still have the right to, to decide what happens to their own body. Uh, so I, while still believing that, the evidence from elsewhere is that this actually works. You know, if you can't really do anything, <clears throat> you can't go anywhere, you can't work, then even the most stubborn uh, vaccine-hesitant people decide to get vaccinated. And obviously that's in the, in the, the interest of the greater good. And I think there is a, there is a, a sort of uh, utility of the greater good here, which justifies impinging on individual freedoms. In France, they saw the, the after declaring there was going to be a uh, a vaccine passport. I think Macron de- declared it in 
in July when when vaccination levels were at about 54% or something. Three months later, they were at 88%. You know, the, the imposition of this thing actually saw a huge uptake. You know, while I don't particularly like anything that's mandatory like, like this, I do think that there is a prospect. And, and you know, we're already at, uh, I think they said yesterday, uh, 82% for for um, people who are double vaccinated. So we don't have that far to go. But if we can get to 90, then we're in pretty good shape. So, you know, don't like it, but I think it's, uh, it is it uh, is something that is perhaps justifiable. All right. Finally, John, uh, after Major General Peter Daw, who wrote a positive reference letter for a sex offender, was tasked with working on some allegations of, of sexual assault within the Canadian Armed Forces, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland yesterday said the leadership of the military just doesn't get it when it comes to the handling of sexual misconduct within the military. Um, there, this is part of an ongoing story, obviously, uh, that that is just one case after another of uh, of evidence that something needs to change. What's it going to take, do you think? Well, obviously, the um, the the uh, the longer game is this uh, review by by the um, former Supreme Court justice uh, who is looking into this this whole matter, although obviously it's been looked into by another Supreme Court justice six years ago, and not much uh, happened as a result. So, you know, I guess they hope that this is this is something that that uh, that a review will find a, a, a magic bullet to solve. Um, it's, to me, I think it's obviously a longer process. I mean, some of these decisions are pretty insensitive. This one in particular looked extremely questionable, putting putting a guy who was obviously, you know, he, he, he may be blameless, but it's not, uh, but the optics of it were not very good, and they, they just don't seem to get the optics of it. I'm, I'm sure that they, they get the idea that they have to change the culture. I think it's very hard to change a culture when the, the people who are still making these decisions are still in position of power, and that can only, that's a very gradual change. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the people making the Decisions are not have not done any. It's not fireable offences, but they are making questionable decisions time and time again. But um, you know, this was a question that was asked of the prime minister and the deputy prime minister yesterday in, in the press conference. But I think they were mighty glad to get it in in the, the light of the fact that they were uh, the uh, the other subject matter, the the apology and the mandatory vaccines were maybe things that they are not as keen to talk about. And this is something which they, I think, hammering the armed forces as not uh, not getting it, um, allowed them to, a sort of off ramp for that uh, from those subjects. Yeah. All right, John. Great to have your insights on this. As always, thank you. Thanks, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. It seems as if the leadership just doesn't get it. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues civilians need to fix military culture. The Sun writes, Canada's military is incapable of investigating itself or of fixing its own culture. It is obvious that the federal government, both the previous Stephen Harper government and the current Liberal government, were and are incapable of addressing it. A process independent of the military and the government 
run by civilian investigators and prosecutors is needed, given that the military and the government are incapable of doing the job. In the National Post, Chris Selly argues, the new vaccine mandates are a chance for anti-vaxxers to switch tactics. Selly writes, street protests aren't getting their point across. Outside hospital protests are getting them hated. If the freedom from vaccination cause is vindicated, it will be in the courts. The anti-vaxxers would still almost certainly be out of luck. The courts would likely defer to the government's reasons for infringing upon those rights. But there's nothing left for them to do in the streets of Canada, except become even less popular than they are. In the Globe and Mail, Robin Urbach argues Jason Kenney's life in politics is coming to a close. Urbach writes, If there's one thing to which Jason Kenney's political demise can ultimately be attributed, it's hubris. His proclamations were so definitive on matters so crucial that his failures weren't merely the typical unrealized promises of a bumptious politician. They became a series of betrayals that wounded Alberta deeply. It's hard to predict precisely how and when his political career will meet its ultimate demise, but his career in elected office is very sick and very old and appears to have reached its final days. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak today with the President of Mexico. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, October the 7th. Tune into Primetime Politics every weeknight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.